Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. This morning, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, pa- I don't wanna take more time. I'm not gonna be, be bringing the, the word this morning, but I know that uh, Brother Angel, an anointed man of God, I told him earlier this week, I said, hey, bro. Um, I, I, I trust you with the pulpit because I know that you are an anointed man of God and, um, the Lord has just, he's, he's kept, hold on, bro. I'm going to preach real quick. Uh, (laughs) you you can be seated for just a second. Um, you know, I, I I didn't want to share this with you because I had this thought uh, earlier this week and I shared it with my wife and, and it's kind of been a, you know, something that, that the Holy Spirit has really been just kind of dealing with me on. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm busy. How many of us are busy? We're busy, right? And, 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 and in the busyness of, of things, it's really hard to be good at many things. If you're too busy, it's hard to be a good husband. If you're too busy, it's hard to be a good father. If you're too busy, it's hard to be good at, at, at work or your, your family life. And, and so I, I, I was convicted this week and I said, man, God, I, I feel like I don't want to be too busy to be a good uh, to, to, to be a good Christian, you know, I don't want to be too busy because I'm. I, I always have these things to do that I that I forget my my relationship with you, and so I, I had to take a week off from preaching yesterday. Um, you know, honestly, we we ran a five k. Me and my wife for the for the first time, we did a rodeo run, and as tiring as that was. I feel so refreshed and relaxed because I just got to enjoy the day with my wife and and it was and it was awesome. So um, I don't know who God is speaking to this morning, but um, you might be too busy. So slow down. Amen. Praise God. What's up, Numa? How are we doing today? Oh, man. That Pentecostal praise got you all worn out, huh? Let's let's do this again. What's up, Numa? How are we doing? There we go. There we go. All right. Let's go ahead and get to our feet. Uh, I'm going to get uh, situated here. But why don't you salute uh, someone? And I'm going to challenge you to salute someone that you haven't saluted before. Someone that you don't know. Welcome them to Numa. So go ahead and uh, give them a little hi. How are you? So as I was saying, uh, as Pastor was saying, he, he called me up early this week. And uh, Pastor has a way of doing things, right? He, he'll send you a text. He's not much of a talker. So uh, he sent me the text like, hey, bro, can you preach? I said, sure. Um, you know, and then told me a little bit about what he shared with you guys. And I think that's good. I think, you know, every now and then it, we have to learn to rest. You know, if you don't learn to rest, you're always going to be tired. How, you know, you can't properly serve. So, you know, I, I, I extend that challenge to you as well. Learn to rest. So we're going to be opening up our scriptures uh, to the, our Bible, to the scripture of Isaiah, to the book of Isaiah, and we're going to be looking at chapter 6. And let me get that strong Pentecostal amen when you guys have it. Amen. All right. We all got it? I want you to miss out. All right. So I'm going to be reading from the NASB version, as we all know, uh, Pastor Rene is his his favorite version here, so I know he's probably going to be smiling a little bit. Uh, But the word of the Lord says this. 
In the year of King Uzziah, Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his rope filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, having each, uh, six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, my God, for this morning. Father, we thank you, Father, for... Allowing us to be here in your presence, Father, we magnify and we glorify your name, my God. We exalt you, Father. I pray, Father, that as, as, as I begin this sermon, my God, that you continue to anoint my lips, Father, that you, it be you speaking through me, my God. Let it be less of me and more of you, Father. I pray, Father, that ears be opened to hear the word. I pray that eyes be opened to see your glory, my God. I pray that chains be broken in the mighty name of Jesus. And Numa said, amen. 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 You may be seated. So I'm going to give you a little tidbit right here really quick. Yesterday I was uh, battling some bad allergies, actually the last two days. So if my voice goes out at any point in time, just, you know. Uh, here with spiritual ears. Um, and my wife has been sick as well, so keep her in prayer as well. Um, I know she sent me a message right before uh, we started the English service. She's like, button your shirt, tuck it in. And I said, she's like, it's not going to make you look any thinner. And I said, babe, I'm not trying to look thinner. I'm just, I'm just trying to be comfortable. And I believe that at Numa, come as you are. Come as you are. Doesn't matter what your past is or, uh, you know, how bad of a life you lived or if you're coming here in shorts or in uh, some Jordans, some dunks, whatever it may be. Just come as you are. Um, so to give you a little uh, background of the book of Isaiah, you're going to see four reoccurring themes when you study the book of Isaiah. First of all, you're always going to see the sin that God is calling out towards the nation of Israel and Judah. Right now, uh, this is a divided kingdom, so God is, you're going to see that God is always calling out their sin. But he's also such a good God that he provides instruction. You, you know, you can't call somebody out and not tell them how to fix something, right? So he gives the instruction. But then we know that Israel was a rebellious people, right? How many, uh, how many of you, us can identify with being rebellious? I know I have been. So... We see the judgment that comes from the rebellion, but then we have a promise. How many of you guys love a promise? See, and the, and the promises that God makes, he won't break them. 
he will get he gives us the promise of redemption through his son in Jesus Christ. So if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. Um, it's, a, it's a book of 66 chapters. Um, I had a, pr- a professor once said that uh, Isaiah is the mini Bible because it has uh, 66 chapters. There's 66 books in the Bible. So I encourage you to do that. But now let's get into the context of what's going on here. In the year of King Isaiah's death, I saw the Lord. To understand what's truly going on and why is he saying this, we have to understand who King Uzziah was. King Uzziah is mentioned in the book of Kings chapter 15, um, and then you also see him in 2 Chronicles 26. And let me tell you a little bit about his accomplishments. He, reigned, he started his, uh, his, 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 uh, his reign at the age of 16, 16 years old. And he reigned for 52 years. 52 years. I want you to think about that. The Bible says that everything that he did, whenever he consulted the will of God, he prospered in. The importance, right, of consulting God in everything that you do. The enemy's walls were broken down in Gath, Jebna, and Ashdod. The Philistines were defeated. He built and he fortified key towers in Jerusalem. He developed the military force. He built massive weapons. His name was so famous that it even got to Egypt. His name was on the lips of all the people. In essence, he had become an idol, a security blanket, an assurance for Judah. So when he died... It wasn't just any ordinary death. It was a tragic death. See, the thing is, what happened to him is that pride filled his heart. When you start to develop all these types of accomplishments, you start to forgive. You start to forget the one who was actually prospering you, the one who was making a way. So the nation of uh, Judah saw him and they feared for what would happen. And I can imagine Isaiah looking at the throne. There's no king there. Can you imagine what God has to strip away for you to start focusing on him? Can you imagine what idols you've placed ahead of God? When everything is going right in this world, when everything is going right in your life, do you see God first? Or do you see your accomplishments? You see, we put our trust in jobs, finances, and sometimes we make the mistake of putting our trust in people. I know I've identified with that. But I'm here to tell you today, I'm here to tell you today that we need to start Focusing on God. You see, the problems may come and go in your life. There may be cloudiness, there may be trials, and there may be tribulations. But when you start to see the throne of God and who's sitting in it, you start to have a different perspective of your life. You start to have a different perspective of what true security looks like. You see, the throne was not empty. There's always been a king on the throne. 
But when you look back to the book of Samuel, the nation of Israel wanted to be like other nations. They rejected God as their king. He wanted to be their king. He wanted a theocracy. But they said, no. I, we want to be like everyone else. And I started to reflect on that. And I was like, man, God, you know, where is it that I want to be like everyone else? Is it by the way that they dress? Is it by the way that they carry their relationships? Is it, you know, by the way that they work? We focus on all the wrong things, but yet we, we stop and we do not focus on who God is. You know, we, like I said, we tend to seek the Lord when there are problems. We tend to seek the Lord when there's sickness. We tend to seek the Lord when we need healing. We tend to seek when everything around us is crumbling. But if you just focused on the throne, if you just focused on him, how much different would your life be? How much joyful would you be? How much more assured would you be that every step that you take, every move that you make, he is with you. He accompanies you. He surrounds you with his glory. You see, the problem is we focus on the problems, but we don't focus on, uh, we don't focus on God. And I'm here to tell you, don't tell me about your problems. I want you to tell me about how big your God is. Don't tell me how big you're with all the sufferings that you're going through. Tell me about your God. Pastor Danny said it a, a, a while back. I think it was two weeks ago in Spanish. You want to know God as your provider? Then, baby, you got to go through a time when you don't have anything. You want to know him as your healer? Well, guess what? In order for something to be healed, something has to be sick. You want, him, you want to know him as the all-powerful? Well, guess what? How weak are you? In the midst of everything that's going on in your life, God is still in control. God is still on the throne. God is still governing. So you don't have to worry about your hurt, your anxiety, your worries. Because guess what? He knows them all. And you know what's crazy? Come on, you can say what. It's okay. By the way that we act, we make it seem like the throne is empty. I'll say it one more time. By the way that we act, we act like the throne is empty. We focus on all the wrong things, but we don't focus on God. Mm. I don't know about you, Nunuma. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you today that one of our greatest need is for a new vision. You see, when we have a spiritual vision, when we have that new vision where we focus on God and, and him sitting on the throne, you have peace. You have joy. There's laughter. And it's not that fake laugh like, ha, ha, ha. No, it's that genuine laughter. You know, I, I, I sat back and I, reflect, I reflected on, 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 on the vision of other people in the Bible. 
And, you know, uh, I went straight to Abraham and Lot when, when they were, uh, when their camps were having a little discord and, and Abraham and, and Lot go up to a nice, have a nice little hill and they have a view of everything. And Abraham says, you pick which side you want to go to. You pick. Why did he tell him to pick when he was the elder? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why did he tell him to pick? Unless he knew that no matter which way he went, that God was going to be with him. See, Lot did not know. He was under the covering of Abraham. But just because you're under the covering of someone, it doesn't mean that you have the necessary tools. Funny enough, the name of Lot means veil. What veil do you have in front of you that prevents you from seeing the throne of God? What veil do you have that prevents you from seeing the glory of God? You see, we walk and we stumble. We walk and we stumble. We walk and we stumble. But the, believe, the difference between the believer and a non-believer is that when we walk and we stumble and we fall, we know that he picks us right back up. Oh, you don't. Okay, hold on. Somebody's not hearing me. The promise that we have is that we know that he is going to pick us up. I don't want to just say it. I want to show it to you. Can I take you to the book of Matthew chapter 14 when uh, Jesus is walking on water and Peter perceives him to be a ghost. And he says, Jesus, if it is you, allow me to come to you. And what does he do? He tells him, come. You see, Christ is telling everyone here, come. Come. Don't worry about where you're at. What I want you to do is come. And I can imagine that Peter at first being the bold person that he was. He steps out and he's like, oh, snaps, I'm walking. I'm walking. I'm walking. But then what happens? He started to focus on the waves and he started to focus on the wind. And then all of a sudden he starts to sink and he cries out, Lord, help me, rescue me. Has anybody been through that? When you start to focus on the things that are around you, but never focus on the Almighty. You see, even when you sink, Christ is there to lift you up. Even when you have little faith, guess what? He's telling you, don't worry, brother, I got you. Don't worry, sister, I got you. Your marriage is drowning, don't worry, I got you. You're drowning in your finances, don't worry, I got you. But church, what do we focus on? What do we focus on? Too many oftentimes than not, we focus on our past. We focus on everything that we were. Oh, man. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real right now. So I hope you guys don't get offended. But there are people here that probably slept around once or twice. And they focus on what they were and not the new creation that they are. You know, we probably have some alcoholics here. And you start to focus on the past and like, man, I used to drink. I used to do all this. How can God ever cleanse me? Bro, 
Do you not know that the blood of the lamb is more powerful than your past? Do you not know that the blood of the lamb is more powerful than anything that you've done? He cleanses you. He makes you as white as snow. Stop focusing on your past. When you focus on your past, the past is going to petrify you. When you focus on your past, you're going to stay stuck. How can you move forward when you keep on looking back? How can you move forward when all you see is everything that you were? But not knowing what God is doing in you. God is doing something with everyone here. And I'm here to tell someone today, stop focusing on all the wrong things. Start to focus on the throne of God. You see, when you see the Lord sitting on the throne, you start to see his glory. In the midst of his tears, he saw the throne. He saw the Lord, and he was sitting on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. It's not just an ordinary king. It's not a mere king. It's not a man-made king. It is the king of all kings. He is the one who deserves to be praised. He is the one who deserves all your worship, all your honor. But church, can you see his glory? You see, Glory, the definition of glory simply means to honor, to revere. And when I was studying this, I actually came across a definition that I thought was pretty cool. And it's by Wayne Grudem. And he says, he defines the God's glory as this. The created brightness that surrounds God's revelation of himself. But say that one more time. The created brightness that surrounds God's revelation of himself. In other words, the invisible qualities are made visible and knowable. This whole earth is filled with his glory. The psalmist David says, the heaven declares your glory. But can I tell you that you are a reflection of his glory? No? I, that, should have, that should have been an amen all across the board. You are a reflection of his glory. But how do we take that when we focus on everything that we're not? You know, I started to, to, to look for examples, too, in terms of how did God display his glory? And the, the, the one that I liked was uh, when, when uh, Moses asked God, Show me your glory. Show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, and I will make my goodness pass before you. And I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you. In the crevice of the rocks and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. You see, that is his glory. 
Everything in this world is a representation of his glory. When I said that you are a reflection of his glory, 2 Corinthians puts it this way. 2 Corinthians says that in our Christian lives, we are being changed into likeness from one degree of glory to another. As we gaze at the glory of the Lord, believers continually are transformed into Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness. You see, you start off in one level, and you may have a couple of stumbling blocks. But let me tell you that you are growing. You are going from glory to glory. I don't know about you, but that brings a joy to my heart. Because I know that even though I may make mistakes, in my Christian walk, I am not perfect But man, do I have the assurance that God is taking me from one glory to another glory. You see, even though we have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God, we are justified by his grace through the redemption which is in Jesus Christ. That's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. When you start to see that God has justified you by grace. When you start to see how God, what God does in your life, when you don't deserve it, he is still there transforming you, renewing you. More often times than not, that's even hard sometimes. But when you see his glory, man. Do things change? I could imagine Isaiah sitting, you know, just being where he's at, and he sees the throne, and he sees the Lord in there, and then all of a sudden he sees a seraphim with two covering his, uh, their face, two covering their feet. And they're, you know, they're just actively circling around him, saying, holy, holy, holy. I heard on, on Pastor Ryan's podcast, Pastor Juji said that, you know, if you are not actively worshiping, if, you're, if you don't like to worship, then you're going to have a problem when you get to heaven because that's all we're going to be doing. Can you worship God? Can you worship him in spirit and truth? Can you worship him because he deserves it? You see that we know, we acknowledge that he is holy What does it mean to be holy? You know, Pastor Ryan talked about this a a few weeks ago as well. It just means to be set apart. What is he set apart from? What is the Lord set apart from? His creation. You see, he is out. When he created this world, he he created it out of the nothing. And I started to reflect on that, and I was like, God, you took all my nothing, and you made something out of it. I never thought six years ago I would be up here preaching. I never thought six years ago that I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I would still even be married. But God has a way of doing things. God has a way of saying, you know what, I want you to have an encounter with me. I want you to have an experience with, with, with me. But I want to strip away all these things that don't belong. I want to I I take away all these things that just are holding you down, that are making you filthy. How can God use me? The day that I reconciled with the Lord, 
I never told anybody this. I always said that, you know, it's just the Holy Spirit is ministering to me. But I saw the Lord. And I saw him coming towards me. And I didn't, I didn't, I told him, I don't, I don't feel worthy. I'm not qualified. You know, I didn't have my dad growing up. He wasn't instructing me. How can you use something like me? I considered myself the number one sinner in the world. And in his mercy and his grace, he said, don't worry. You are mine. You are mine. When I, when I had that vision of, of, of the Lord, I said, all right, God, do what you want with my life. But I need you to change my wife's mind, too. I need you to transform her. You guys laugh, but I, I really said that. You see, when you have a calling and you have a partner, your partner has to go with you in that calling. Your partner has to be a part of that calling. Because there's going to be times when God is going to ask you to do many of different things. And if, you're, if your partner isn't in agreement, there's going to be problems. I always like the testimony of Pastor Melissa when she said, when Pastor Ryan told her, I was like, oh, you know, I feel like God is calling me into, into pastorship. I always remember her response, like, you're kidding me. You remember, huh? She's like, I remember the date and the time. I, 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 I asked him, like, I, I need you to help me with her. You know, my wife has personally set it up here as well, so I don't feel ashamed of saying it. She said, I am not going to be the type of uh, a wife that goes and picks up an offering. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to serve from my own little space. Bro, but when God is calling you to bigger and better things, you can't, you, that little space won't be able to contain you. And can I just give a praise really quick, praise report, that my wife has done, I've seen, seen God work in her in, in, in amazing ways, and she recently published a book. And you know, I, I honestly believe that this book is going to help women who have been through a, a hurt, who have seen, uh, you know, the uh, the horrors of the, of the world. And I believe that women are going to be transformed. I believe the Holy Spirit will reach to that person as they read every single letter. Because of what she, what she went through. So we see. I got all sidetracked on that one. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I saw God and I was just like, man. All right, do this with her. But listen to his reply, what he says in... in <laughs> In uh, verse, what is it, five, he says, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. You see, when you experience the holiness of God, when you have an encounter, when you have a vision of who God is, you start to see yourself for all that you are not. Say that again. 
You, when you have an encounter with God, when you see God and you see him in all his splendor and all his glory, you realize who you really are. Your heart is impure before him. And you know what's crazy in that in this world, we think that we are good by this world's standards. Oh, I'm not bad. I don't cuss. I go to church every Sunday. I do this. I do that. I, I, I. <laughs> I had to be David. By the way, you look good, brother. <laughs> you start to focus on your eye. But when you put yourself in the light of God's holiness, you realize how horribly sinful you are. You see, woe is me is a cry of despair. I don't know. I don't think you guys heard that. Woe is me is a cry of despair because while he has seraphim flying around him, crying out for his holiness, you are looking at a holy God. A holy God. And you are before him. A sinner. Dead in your trespasses. But when the glory of God is there, we know that he gives us the promise of redemption. You see, he sent his son over 2,000 years, 2000 years ago to die on a cross for us. And because of that, we know that if we believe in him, we know that our iniquity, our sin is taken away. Our sin has been purged. And when you are cleansed, you are prepared for service. Are you ready to serve? <laughs> Are you truly ready to serve? Church, we have a whole lot of resources here. We have a, low, a whole lot of things that there are ideas and, and, and things that we would like to accomplish or the pastors would like to accomplish. Pastor, uh, pastor has had a vision of what this church can be. But we need laborers. We need people to come and serve. We need people that will stand and say, hey, pastor, what do you want me to do? Can we support our pastors? Can we be a help to them? Or do we want them to do all the work? You see, pastor may ask somebody from one day to another, hey, can you preach? And he may not give you enough notice. No, I'm not saying you didn't. I'm not saying you didn't. <laughs> I'm not saying you didn't. I'm not saying you didn't. No, 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 not on you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying he may ask you from on a Saturday to preach on a Sunday. Man, you got to stay ready. Bro, how are you going to tell me you're a Christian when you ain't reading the Bible? How are you going to tell me you're a Christian when you ain't coming to, uh, to Saturday prayer? Better yet, how are you going to tell me you're a Christian when you're not praying every day? You want to be a threat to the, to, to the enemy? Then get on your knees. 
You want to speak life into people? Read his word. You want to be an instrument ready for his use? Then you got to get prepared. You know, I admire Pastor Ryan because I know right now, I don't know if he's said it, but he, he's getting his PhD right now. Yeah, Dr. Ryan, Pastor Ryan. You see, that's getting ready. But what about just coming here and saying, you know what? Let me get the temple ready. Let, let, let me pass the vacuum. Let me pick up, a, the, you know, the paper that's in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the bathroom right now. Can you serve? Will you be ready? I dare say that in the, in, in the U.S., we have a church that is not ready. I dare say that we have a church in the U.S. that is filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's a lot of things that, you know, great churches are doing. But there's no real change coming. There's nothing that's, that, that's really making an impact. I'm not looking to add to the church. I want the church to multiply. I can add one or two people. That's great. But if I add, what, 130 members that we have here with another 130, that's 260. But now if I multiply 130 times 130, what does that get? Yeah, so I was like, I'm not going to do the math. <laughs> He's like, somebody said I didn't, I didn't pass the second grade. You see, church, we have to be ready to serve. We have to be ready to say, here I am. You see, Isaiah is now equipped for service. Even though it's chapter 6, he's giving a reflection of pretty much uh, the verses 1 through, uh, sorry, chapters 1 through 5. He's already giving word to the people. But in, verse, in chapter 6, he's giving a recollection of how his ministry started. This is the commissioning of Isaiah. In the midst of grief, in the midst of everything that's going on, God is appearing before him. When does God appear before you? When do you seek his presence? When do we seek his glory? You see, it's not just enough to come on a Sunday and have the, you know, the throwbacks come on and everybody's, you know, clapping and everybody's jumping and everybody's dancing and everybody's jumping and everybody's doing all these things. His glory goes with you. His glory goes before you. You, so you see, when you come on a Sunday, you're getting spiritually fed. But when, then when you go out to the world, you're like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm good. And that's not what God wants. He's called you to be light. In a world filled with darkness, he has called you to be light. Church, are you ready? Have you seen his throne? I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. When God says, when the Lord says, who will go? As I mentioned, there are very few laborers. laborers. The harvest is plentiful. And I don't know about you, but like I said, I didn't feel worthy. But can I just tell you that my God is so great, so kind, so merciful, so loving, 
that he's not looking for ability. He's looking for your availability. He's looking for people who have the heart to say, you know what, God, I see my brother there struggling. Let me go. Send me. I see a nation that's crumbling because they don't know who Yahweh is. Send me. Send me to the places where if, if I even speak your name, I know that death is coming, but I also see the glory. I know that I will have the victory. If one life can get transformed today, can we say that we are available to him? Can we say, God, here I am? When God called Samuel, after, the, after uh, the third time he realized, Eli had realized who was calling Samuel, he said, here I am. Tell him, here I am. When God speaks to Abraham, he says, here I am. What do you say when he calls you? Not yet. Not my time, God. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say when you stand before a holy God and he's asking, who will I send? The commissioning of Isaiah is something that's, it hit me very powerful. I currently have a friend who's going through some things right now. Uh, we can get to our feet. And I'm not going to lie to you. He, he, he's locked up. And I was speaking with him and, and, and we were talking about, uh, we were, you know, just, I was ministering to him and, and telling him, uh, you know, how God is going to use him in this time. That God is renewing him, that God is changing something in him. But I told him that God did something to him so that he could see him. You see, the things that he held as a prized possession or the things that he had before him had to be stripped away so that he could start to see his glory, so that he could start to have an encounter with him. And I had a vision of, of, of him where he was sitting on his bed and lifting up his hands. And I saw that God was purifying his worship because he's a worshiper. What does God have to strip away for you to see him? Can I just tell you that it's better for you to say, you know what, God, I need you every day than for God to strip it away. We hold on to things for pride. We hold on to things for the memory, for love, whatever it may be. But what God is calling for you today is to have a vision, to have a new vision of him sitting on the throne. Don't worry about your problems. Don't worry about what's going on all around you. Don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about the, the, the people who are hurting you, who are talking bad about you. Can I just tell you that my God will defend you? 
Can I just tell you that my God will provide for you? Can I just tell you that my God will heal you? Can I just tell you that my God will make a way when there is no way? I'm going to make an altar call for and I'm going to challenge everyone here, everyone here to come up. And there have been altar calls done in the past. But there are people who will not step to the front simply because of pride. Pride is that silent assassin. Pride is that thing that will get to you. You see, what killed the King Uzziah was that when pride filled his heart, God struck him with leprosy. Do you need God to strike you with something to be, for, for something to be removed from you? Does he need to take away your pride? Does he need to take away your lust? Does he need to take away the bottle? Does he need to take away that needle? Does it need to take people away from you? I believe, church, I believe that if we can all simply come up and in one voice, in one voice, start worshiping his name, start exalting his name, The smoke will fill this room. You will see the train of his robe. You will see him in all his glory, in all his splendor. But church, are you willing? Are you willing to have that vision? Are you ready to see the throne? Or are you going to make an excuse? Not today, God. Let me tell you something. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. I had an uncle when I went to Honduras who was close to passing away. And I went to minister to him. And he said, you know, the moment I get the opportunity, I'm going to reconcile with the Lord. And with my family, I'm pretty straight up. What are you waiting for? Why not today? Why not today? God is calling you. He's telling you to come. He's telling you to come. I can wipe away your tears. I will wipe away your sin. I will make you brand new. I will make you brand new. your vision on the one who sits on the throne can I just tell you that your life will be transformed your life will be renewed not because of what you did but because of his power his glory will you come to the altar today will you come and glorify his name for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. 
If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at My Numa Church. Thanks again and God bless.